When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to what? Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have another summer edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly podcast where we break down the countless results produced in the pro tennis world each and every week by players with college tennis ties. And we've talked all summer about how prevalent that relationship has become in the pro tennis world. It feels like every week there's another player on both the men's and women's side with college tennis ties delivering some sort of significant result. Now, it is worth noting there are teams that are back in school. Practices are underway on various campuses across the country. We will begin the start of fall play before we know it. And while we're looking forward to that here at Cracked Rackets, we still have a few things to tidy up from the summer. And joining me to help tidy up the past week of results is the man who has joined me each and every week. You know him, of course, as the returning champion of returning champions here at Cracked Rackets on our shows. You also, of course, know him as co-host of The Deciding Point, founder of the No Ad No Problem blog and podcast, and a guy... About as expected as a go-kart racer. It's our dear friend, John J. Parsons. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Our listeners won't understand what I'm alluding to with that reference, but let the record show, though he muted himself, he did laugh at the go-kart joke. How you doing today, Jay? I'm good. Uh, you can tweet me at JTweetsTennis if you think I'm a good go-kart racer or a bad go-kart racer. We will let the listeners decide on that one. That's the easiest Twitter poll I will ever put up. And the results aren't going to be kind, Jay. I'm just, and I say that with all love and affection. You're too kind. You're just, again, you're not going to take the corner from someone. You're going to be like, you know what? If you really want to kill yourself doing this, go ahead. I got college tennis to cover. And of course, that's what we want to do on today's show. I'm in Cleveland. I have a lot of things to do. I won't lie. We're recording this 10.39 p.m. Eastern time. One of the things I have to do is sleep. And so we're going to keep today's show organized, I'll say, to use the most operative term. That said, I do want to start just more broadly with a couple of news items. Jay, you recorded a podcast, the No Ad No Problem podcast, which you all can find wherever you listen to your shows with our dear friend Ethan talking about the the notes from the NCAA coaches meeting and some of the announcements. Now, I don't want to step on the podcast and I'll be honest, I haven't looked into the matter myself quite yet. That's what happens when you're on the road for five weeks. Can you give me the bullet points? Can you give me the summary of the podcast without stepping on all of it? Yeah, I mean, I think the main takeaways and the things we discuss are the 2024 fall individual championships, which have been announced. They will be at Baylor uh, November 19th through the 24th. And what we discuss on the podcast is the current proposal for how you will qualify for the NCAA event, no longer just being based on your ranking. It is now a play in tournament. So there are a series of events 
over the course of the fall. And depending on how you do in those events, you earn entry into the NCAA. So Ethan and I walk through what those events are, uh, how they are structured, what the qualifying criteria look like, and what we believe are some of the pros and cons of this really reimagined NCAA individual tournament. I am not proficient enough on the details. God, that's admitting defeat. I, this is why you're the premier college tennis beat reporter on this show now, Jay. I'm, <laughs> I was going to make that same joke that you told me not to make a few weeks ago. I'm not going to make it. Um, Yeah, I, I don't want to step on the entire podcast because, again, I'm going to have to listen to it. I'm looking forward to doing so on my drive back from Cleveland. Pro or con, which way are you leaning right now with the current proposal and format? I wouldn't even say pro or con, just right now unimpressed. Um, I think that, you know, we had had these conversations last year about, you know, a fall championships. This was announced a while ago. I think what you'll see is there hasn't been a ton of apparent progress in how we are mapping it out. My biggest takeaway is I would have loved to have seen these tournaments landed this fall so that we could not have a pilot NCAAs. I get that we're doing a pilot program, but let's pilot the entry criteria and the qualifying criteria the year before. So I think that's one of the main takeaways you'll hear on the podcast. I think that's fair. I think there should be a shout out to Coach Michael Woodson, Coach Joey. I'm going to butcher his last name as I always do. Yes, thank you. Um, And Baylor for stepping up and hosting this first individual event. And look, they've got indoors. They've got outdoors. They've got all the facilities necessary. I can guarantee you that Coach Michael Woodson and Coach Joey. Sorry. Um, Well, uh, it's tired. I'm late. It's late. I'm tired. See, the sentences are even not flowing perfectly. They will pull out all the stops. They will do everything possible to make that event extraordinary. I will also offer you a little peek behind the curtain. And I don't think either of them would mind me sharing this fact because it speaks positively about the sport with Oklahoma State hosting the individuals next spring. They are trying to collaborate on all things broadcast, on all things NCAA, so that as fans, we can enjoy the same experience at both of these events. Dare I say, grow some continuity in how these NCAA tournaments are presented to college tennis fans everywhere. And that's a phenomenal thing. It's something that we have been calling for forever here at Crack Rackets, and it's happening. And so, again, a shout-out to Chris Young um, and all Oklahoma State is doing. I need to read and look into the proposal, hear the pros and cons, hear the dates. Are they scrapping all Americans and fall Nats entirely, Jay? Fall Nats is gone. Oh, uh, and rest so, in peace. Yeah, but what you'll see is sort of the, I would say, the the sentiment or the uh, aspect of fall nats of like qualifying into it that's basically what they've taken and you applied to the ncaa's interesting i like that um i will also say that with conference realignment a lot of this i think will need to be redone because there's a lot of the um a lot of the qualifying criteria are based on things like conferences and i just don't think that's going to work Okay. Again, we'll have to see how it all plays out. I'm certainly looking forward to having college tennis back in our lives and the action getting going in the fall. One other quick news item just to mention, he's family here to this show. Shout out to Trevor Fauché, who will be leaving his role as the Liberty Associate head coach and uh, entering a role as the new Michigan assistant. I believe we also learned uh, two other coaching pieces, Brian Baker. 
to Wake Forest. When Tony Bresky makes a move, he makes a move. That was an exclamation point sort of hiring. And then, uh, wait, what was my, there's a third coaching thing. Um, It'll get there. Come on, Alex. Anyways, first two, Jay, thoughts as I think of the third. Well, I'm excited to hear the revised Chris intro. Now, I don't know if he's still going to root for the Liberty no, Flames. He's but... the lean, mean Michigan Wolverine. Like, it's that oh, simple. We've already got it down. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, congrats to Trevor. It's nice to see uh, Michigan announce that that uh, hire. I know this has kind of gone through all summer, both the head coaching and the assistant coach. And Brian Baker, someone who is, you know, a college tennis legend in his day, stayed around both college tennis and junior tennis for a long time. It's really exciting to see him uh, in in the back in the ranks. He coached briefly. Uh, it's exciting to see him back in the game. Couldn't agree more. And so, again, those are some new coaching pieces. There was a third to that third coach. I sincerely apologize. But with that said, let's get to the past week on the Pro Tour. And typically, we start these, event, uh, these podcasts, excuse me, by starting with the tour level events, working our way through the various levels. But Jay was on the, on the beat. He was at Stanford. He got to watch all the Palo Alto action unfold. And look, Jay, uh, even beyond the players with college tennis tie results, this is a big event, a joint 125K event. You throughout the week highlighted some of the specific things this tournament did to honor that fact in particular. Talk to me about your experience. Talk to me about what you saw. The floor is yours. Well, it was a great event. You know, it was a combined event, first combined event here in the Bay Area, first WTA ATP 125 with equal prize money, uh, which was great to see, particularly in light of some of the online conversation about the rest of the ATP and WTA combined events this summer that do not offer equal prize money. So it was great to chat with the tournament director there on my show about what are the factors that go into equal prize money. And, you know, there were a lot of things throughout the event where, Equality was a through line. They had a gender, uh, you know, equity panel on Thursday night. Small things, but very meaningful things. Like when they had, you know, the the women played on what would be kind of the the court one. They kind of have two, but there was one that's slightly a little bit more preferred. Uh, just a little bit more seating. So you often had the women playing there. Um, you know, you had the women's doubles final on that court and the men's doubles final on court three. And you know, small things like that. And they they mix it up. And you had a, a combined trophy ceremony for doubles. So there were a lot of touches I thought throughout the event that put you know men and w- women on equal footing. You know, people were buying day sessions that included both WTA and ATP action. So it was a great event. Uh, it didn't come out until the end of the event, though, that this will not be able to be hosted on the Stanford campus next year. They will have to find another venue if they want to host this again, because the mm-hmm. Stanford facility is being torn down beginning in June. So that uh, I think was really publicly announced when some of the men's doubles finalists just kind of like sprinkled that into their uh, trophy presentation. But yeah, it was a great event. We had fantastic weather uh, and it was great to see pro tennis on the West coast. Fascinating to see again, through all the conference, Michigan, Stanford's building a new facility. And I was reminded and shout out to, I'm blanking on his name, but reminded me of this at Cleveland today, Olympics next year. And so the whole summer schedule is going to be thrown off anyways. I think for this Stanford event, a year off, given where they sit in the schedule, given where it overlaps with the Olympics, isn't a kiss of death for this event is what I'm trying to convey. 
that's that's a nugget. I mean, certainly to know that this pro event, uh, excuse me, that Stanford is going to invest in a new facility that that's fascinating because again, they've played NCAAs at that at that uh, facility. What the last time they did it was 2011, I believe, if right. memory serves yep. me correct. One of the best matches, maybe probably the best match of the century. Foot tap or the D win di- diving volley. I mean, the real best match was 2021 National Indoor Finals on the women's side. If you know, you know. There's tangent number one of the day. Talk to me about the results. Who stood out for the players with college ties? Well, it has to be Tristan Boyer on the ATP Challenger side. This is a ATP Challenger 125. It's the highest level challenger that we have. Uh, and Tristan Boyer played college tennis at Stanford for about a year and a half before he sort of unceremoniously left the team midway through the season in 2022. Uh, and since then, he's been really working his way up. Um, but he makes his second challenger semifinal here at Stanford on his former collegiate courts. Uh, some poetry in that he took out Bradley Klon in the first round, sent Bradley Klon, former NCAA champion at Stanford, into retirement. But Tristan makes a massive jump with those results into the top you know, 360 in the world. He was well outside the top 400. So um, he was the player with college ties that absolutely made the most noise. And it was great to see him have his family and a lot of former Stanford classmates, former Stanford friends uh, in the stands cheering him on. Yeah, it was a great week. I agree. And, you know, for him to beat Michael Moe, like that is a top 100 quality win uh, for Tristan Boyer to do it coming through qualifying as well. Uh, outstanding. The other men's notes I would point out, you know, Bornegoyo is 105 in the live rankings. His career high is 102. You know, the 2018 NCAA finalist is on the precipice of a top 100 breakthrough. And, you know, he, like me, is in the bad posture team where you don't realize quite how tall he is. But when you see him play, when you see him explode, extend through the ball, I know he lost in the quarters to eventual champion Constant Lestien, but top 100 watch. We're on it for Borna Goyo. We've been on it for Kovacevic, who, of course, got knocked out by the finalist, Emilio Nava, 6-6 six and six in the quarters. He's currently 120 in the live rankings. Yeah, I mean, look, again, three guys into the quarters, that's about as good as we've had at the challenger level this summer. It's, it's a good result. I mean, I know they're not current guys, but it's a good result. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, Nico Moreno de Alboron, I think he might have lost in the round of 16, but uh, he had a good showing there. He's another guy that has been flirting you know, flirting from a distance with the top 100, right, I think up to around 130 in the world right now. Um, So all of those guys are kind of inching their way into the top 100, which would just continue to expand that sort of 15-ish mark that we've been um, we've been teetering on for a little bit. No, absolutely. And then on the double side, I would just quickly point out for the men's, Diego Hidalgo's 91 in the world now. He wins another title, this time in Stanford cash Patton, they're into another final they've been top 50 guys and in that mix now for a little bit you know if you were to make an alex gruskin doubles team it would probably be robert galloway who i've been fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with uh in cleveland over the years and then i mean jp smith is one of my first guys <laughs> like come on now uh that's that's an alex gruskin team it's everywhere you know again doubles guys with college tennis ties they're everywhere each and every week on the challenger tour I do. I mean, again, there are other men's challengers results and things to get to, but talk to me about the women's side, Jay. I do want to stick with Palo Alto for a little longer. I don't know why I keep saying that Stanford a little longer. 
Yeah, it was called the Palo Alto Challenger yeah, in some of why. these. Now, that yeah. really threw me off. Yeah, it shouldn't uh, have been. <laughs> it should be the Stanford Challenger. There were not as many deep runs on the yeah. women's side from current or former uh, collegians. I did think Stanford women's team was well represented. Angelica Blake took a set um, off of Rakamova, who makes the final there. Um, so it was a good showing by them. Um, I would... The biggest college result were players with college size was Ivana and Carmen Corley making the semifinals of doubles there who they're coming off of the 2023 season. Uh, impressive run for for them as they continue to move you know, their partnership within the WTA ranks. Yeah, uh, well said. And so there's your update on all things Stanford. I want to stick with the challenger level quickly just because in Winnipeg, I thought we had our next biggest results, dare I say, of the week. Uh, certainly, you look at what happened in the doubles for Gab Diallo to take the title over the pairing of Aguilar and Body. Again, that's that's us. That's our era. Uh, but of course, look, the Ryan Penniston sensation is just real. Like He's been a top 250 guy now for multiple years consecutively. And he wins the title here in uh, in Winnipeg. You know, he was the guy, I think the only college, a guy with college ties to even make the quarterfinals and he goes on to win the title. You know, that's a hell of a run, Jay. Anything to add? No, I was surprised that it was his first challenger title. I thought, you know, when he was making the push into like the top 140-ish, 130-ish, maybe that would have come with a challenger title. I know he's dipped off a little bit, I think spent some time away with injuries, but good to see him back playing well and, you know, look claiming his first challenger title a lot of people without challenger titles yeah well said and it was a fun team to see kwiatkowski rodesh just in the draw like i might go back and watch the highlights of their match just to see it to see if i can find them because that that one's pretty exciting but all right that's all the challenger level action i have for you today jay anything particularly notable from cincinnati you would point out not really i i thought it kind of kind of broke our streak of having yeah. somewhat like a big breakthrough. The only one was, you know, Mackie McDonald getting the win over Holger Rune, but I think that was a retirement. Uh, mm-hmm. So that one felt a little bit muted, but it was actually kind of quiet on Cincinnati front. And unfortunately no deep runs for a JJ Wolf or a Peyton Stern, some of the hometown heroes there. Um, I thought since he was pretty quiet on the college front. No, I agree. Um, even in the doubles, um, I, you know, again, Venus makes the final, Craig check another good run Ben Shelton and is must see TV on the doubles court he just has the energy he brings it and that's all you can ask for and to pair him with Chris Eubanks as well I mean those two hopefully play together as long as possible because that is an exceptional team and really fun I would point out for Mackie and I'm very protective of Mackie McDonald because he's a 95er and I'm like we still got it um even though we're you know turn 28 by the end of the year He's 38 in the world. Pretty darn good, Jay. That's pretty darn good. Round of 16, it's not highlight reel because we know he's capable of it, but that's the key word. He's proven he is capable of these sorts of runs, and that's again, proves why it's not particularly notable. Yeah, I, I agree. Pretty muted on the on this front. I will say, just a quick fun note, because this is a platform to do it, you know, you and I get all the run here. We're the pretty faces, but Daniel Westoff, hears a lot of our content and by osmosis has seen a lot of college tennis in his days. He's probably top 10 most hours logged. I would argue in the country. Um, 
we got to see Navarro and Stearns play in person these past couple of days here in Cleveland, and Peyton knocked out today by Caroline Garcia, served for the first set, her serve, her forehand, ugh. And, you know, again, Emma was up 5-love in the third, ultimately knocked out by Sasnovich. That one hurt. But Westhoff was, it was amazing. Just, Westhoff was like, you know, I just, I just don't remember them being this good. Like we watched He's like, Alex, we watched a lot of Peyton. Like, I just don't remember this. And it was wonderful. I was, I was, I was dying. Like, I just was like, you have takes, dude. I, I might have to share them. Well, what's so great is he's right, right? Both yeah. Peyton and Emma have really taken a big step forward in their games. You look at Peyton, she didn't have that rally tolerance back in college. And you look at Emma and her fitness has improved significantly. Same with Peyton. Like they have made big strides, a big strides. Westhoff is right. Yeah. Peyton's weapons are like, look, Peyton's always had that serve that forehand, but I remember Emma's forehand. And obviously the quarterfinal result between them in 2022 is the outlier. Everyone will point to you have to throw that out the window because it was just not Peyton's day. Like it just wasn't Peyton has the biggest weapon. Like I, I, and I didn't think that was the case because Emma's forehand just dominated in college, just absolutely dominated. And her touch, her, just how easy she makes everything look, how collected she is. The, the word poised comes to mind. It just feels like she is always keeping her eye on the ball and the bigger task at hand. But yeah, they're just both really like, Westhoff was like, dude, these are top 50 players. I was like, I, I was like, first of all, do you now know what like separates top 50 from top? I was like, are we about to, are you coming on the show? Um, and the answer unfortunately is no, but that's your WTA level update, I suppose, uh, from the two superstars we have right now. Though there is a Danielle Collins resurgence, round of sixteen, Toronto, Canada, uh, and Cincinnati, uh, or excuse me, Montreal and Cincinnati. Jennifer Brady slowly but surely getting healthier, so I think the results are going to pick up as we move into the fall. Let's get to the ITFs, though. Jay, this is where I'm going to lean on you a little heavier. Start on the women's side. What do we need to know about the past week in ITF Tour tennis? I've got three names for you, uh, but no titles. So the first one to call out is Chloe Beck of Duke, who received a qualifying wild card into the U.S. Open. She makes the semifinals of the 40K in Peru, potentially telling me that that U.S. Open wild card was definitely not a guarantee uh, because she found out about that while she was in Peru playing playing this event so uh she hightailed it back to new york after following the semifinals but a really good run for her she does not have a lot of uh itf experience certainly not at the above 15k level yes she played charleston this year and dabbled this summer but again to get the reps in uh, a really good result for her yeah i mean she has the game and this is again speaks to the fact if you're a top five player in the college tennis world you're going to find your way to the top 400. Now, after that, things always start to weed themselves out and it gets a little more nuanced, but I can say definitively the best players in college tennis are top 400 players in the world. And that is Chloe back. Yeah, uh, I would definitely agree with that. And it's great to see these players have a lot more opportunity to showcase that, right? Getting the qualifying wild cards into the U S open. You're talking about, Literally three of the top five players in college on the women's side have qualifying wild cards. We saw Fiona Crawley win her match today, the number one ranked player. She's moving on to the qualifying second round. So uh, I thought Mary Stoyana, she fell today against um, Golubic, but it was a close match. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Top 400 feels, you know, the 
bit, like the, the floor a little bit yeah. in terms of their, their level. Absolutely. Uh, so, I was going to say, all right, I'm done interrupting you. Take over. <laughs> well, so the next is uh, Fang Grantian, who you know, we hadn't seen a ton of this summer after her remarkable run, both at NCAAs and in the SoCal Pro Series. Uh, but she's still grinding away this summer, which is good to see. She makes the quarterfinals of a 25K, just getting her at more of those uh, non-15Ks is helpful to see. And then the last one is not a current player, but uh, Vicky Flores, formerly of both Georgia Tech and Pepperdine. She makes the final of Monastir, and that was her first pro final. So it was good to see her continuing to grind away on the pro tour as she begins uh, her nascent pro career. Yeah, I like the use of the term nascent. Chloe Beck, it's she's pro right now because you said Chloe Beck of Duke. I forget. Do we know officially? Well, she will always be of Duke, right? Yeah, that's you know, um, formerly does, of Duke. Is it? Would that have to be the phrase now? Formerly of Duke. Okay. Haley Carter uh, talked about on my podcast that uh-huh. uh, Chloe Beck has made the decision to turn pro. Okay. Um, it has not been announced by the school, um, but you know. Uh, you know, this is why you know, that's what I remember is there was a public forum where it came up and I figured it was your podcast. I just didn't remember. Pers- I didn't remember which one it was, Jay, but yes. I listened to the Haley card. Okay. I I saw her in San Diego. We talked about it. Um, yeah. yeah. So I talk about you, Jay, when I'm not with you, just <laughs> okay. so you know. But then I say it to your face after the fact, last name. I apologize. Those are my three. Oh, Chloe Beck, Fangrentian and Vicky Flores. That's exactly it. I apologize. All right. Men's side. Give it to me. We do have a few titles this week on the men's side. Uh, I'll start with the all-collegiate final in Arthur Ferry of slash formerly of Stanford beating Toby Samuel of South Carolina at the 25K in Aldershot. This is Ferry's fourth 25K title, his second of 2023. And it was a clean sweep in both the singles and doubles. The doubles title went to Johannes Monday and Emil Hud who played together at Tennessee. This is their third 25K title together. Um, so it was a clean sweep on the collegiate side in Aldershot. That's big serving. That, that's a fun doubles team. And again, you get why they didn't play together, because Monday Harper and Mitsui Hud were exceptional as well. But all those guys are out there having success. Adam Walton's winning challengers in singles and doubles. And, you know, again, I... I chatted with him. I know he would love the opportunity to play in the pros with Harper a little bit, given the success they obviously had rankings wise. It it makes life a little, you know, again, because the singles is so going so well, you got to pursue that at the same time, play doubles accordingly. Yeah, it was a great week for Tennessee men's tennis. And certainly at the ITF level, we've seen that now. Mitsui's had a great summer. You know, we see the occasional Wiedemann and Stodder shout out. Obviously, Walton's been the headliner. Speaks to the, you know, again, semifinals 2021, semifinals 2022, round of 16 this year. They have been on a serious run. And now you see the fruits of that run in the pro circuit. Yeah, absolutely. And another team that's continued to rise is South Carolina and Toby Samuel now breaking into the top 500 for the first time. He has had a really solid summer. So uh, good results all around for all of the British guys there yeah. in the UK. My next name for you is a, a name from Pepperdine. It's Guy, Guy Den Uden. Mm-hmm. He 
wins the 25K in Belgium. He was there at Pepperdine in 2021. He's now up to a career high of 421. He won a lot of 15K titles, uh, seven to be exact, but this is his first at the 25K title. So uh, be on the lookout for that name as he kind of starts to try and break into more of the challenger level and outside of the, the ITFs. Pepperdine's an interesting team for me to watch just on a different note this year because obviously they're bringing in Blake, last name forgotten, um, or Edward. What, what's the, the British kid? Um, Edward Winter. Ed, Edward Winter. Winter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Blake, Edward, same thing. Um, sorry. Um, it's just an interesting team that bring back a bunch of pieces from last year as well. And obviously Guy Newton won't be a member of that team, but Pepperdine's a fun program. Obviously what Coach Schachterly is building there is, again, bearing fruits in the pros. Who else you got? Well, last title here is Garrett Johns of Duke. He wins the 15K in Monastir. This is his second 15K title. He had success this summer in doubles, winning a few 25K titles. But this is some of the breakout performance for him on the singles court. All right. I love to hear it. With that said, last topic I want to hit with you, U.S. Open qualifying going on all week. We hear time after time how many people attend this event because it is New York freaking city. If you're a college tennis fan in New York, Jay, who are you going to see? Well, there's so many, right, that are kicking off in the current college players that we have still to play their first round. You have Elliot Spaziri, uh, Texas, Cannon Kingsley, Ohio State. You had both Quinn Van de Castile of Oregon. He lost today. Michael Zhang of Columbia. Super fun to see him advance to the second round, uh, particularly because he had a lot of Columbia fanfare there. You've got Diana Schneider on NC State. Uh, just missed out on the main draw. I think she's number two seed in uh, in qualifying. So she'll be there. I think Chloe Beck is on Wednesday as well. So a lot of current names to um, to keep track of. And uh, there's a ton of former uh, college guys. I mean, so many of the guys that we talked about here, whether it is Kovacevic, um, you know, Moreno de Alboron, like all the guys that we were talking about, Tristan Boyer, all looking to have success there. So um, credit to the ITA who has uh, put a list together of all of the players with college ties who are competing in the qualifying of the U.S. Open, both on the men's and women's side. You can find that on all of their social handles. Yeah, Borna Goyo, obviously in action there. You mentioned Kova earlier, Max Cressy's in qualifying. He's going to have to play them now, given where his ranking is. Gab Diallo, obviously, in the mix. Emilio Gomez, Alex Richard, I think got both got knocked out today. But all the guys, you, you name them, they're all in the hunt. They're all in the mix. And uh, yeah, yeah. On the women's side as well, I'm sure there are plenty of names that I'm forgetting right now to mention, but you can find a college tennis player if you're looking for one in New York, and hopefully we get one or two through. I think, again, if if you're any coach, you're rooting Fiona Crawley, make the first run. Fiona Crawley, win the tournament. Like, you don't need, <laughs> you don't need to come back. Like, that's fine. Um yeah, it's really fun to monitor, and obviously we'll keep you updated with results on the Mini Break podcast all week long. That said, Jay, before we wrap the show, any final thoughts, any things we missed? No, I mean, you know, U.S. Open is always an exciting time. Looking forward to seeing how all of these players do, who has deep runs. This is many of their times to shine on home oh. soil. They feel comfortable. Over under five and a half players between the men's and women's side with college ties qualifying. Ooh. I'll go over. 
That's what I like to hear. We're an over podcast, always glass half full. Um, and so, yeah, keep your eyes on those results. There are still challengers, ITFs happening across the globe as well. But a lot of college players in the ATP event in Winston-Salem. Uh, so, of course, we'll keep our eyes on that and certainly talk about it next week. But guess what else we're keeping our eyes on? The start of the college tennis season. I had my first reminder come up of our first broadcast of the 2023-24 year, and let's just say it's within the month, Um, and so we're looking forward to it. We're ready to rock and roll. Sleep is for the week slash December for the dead period. Um, I'm ready for more action, Jay. Any final thoughts? Do you want to wrap this show? No, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, then for the fantastic John J. Parsons, for our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, and from everyone here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.